Hi, everybody. It's Michelle Jackson. I'm here with this month's Pen Posse Roundtable. Really excited to be here. We are doing something a little different. We have a panel of all male writers, and we are going to talk about manhood, masculinity, and motivation, how male writers find purpose in the pen. This is so important to me. I love talking to writers. You guys know that. I started the Black Writers Workspace uh, back in 2020. And now we are here with 13,000 followers on Facebook alone. And we're just all about sharing resources. So give me a second. I'm going to put our panelists on the screen. Hi, everybody. How's everything going? Can you hear me? Hi, everybody. Yes. Doing How's good. Everything going? <laughs> Doing good. I think Terrence, I think Terrence needs to unmute himself. There you go. Okay. And TK, we can't see you. Um, are you there? Hi, everybody. Good morning. So we are here today to talk about manhood, masculinity, and motivation. And you're probably like, and we've got one female on the screen. I thought about bringing in a male host, and then I thought, no, I want to do this because I really have a lot of questions for all of you. Um, I want to make sure that everyone can hear me. Are you, can you hear me, Terrence? Yes, ma'am. Oops, sorry. Jonathan, Andrew, Andre? Yes, Andre. Yep. Okay. TK, are you there? So we want to make sure everybody can see and hear us. Of course, we are live. So there are always challenges sometimes with technology, but we're going to make sure that um, everyone gets an opportunity to introduce themselves and to address the questions that we have. For those of you who are out there, you can view this on Facebook. If you go to author Michelle D. Jackson, you can also view this on YouTube. Um, and be sure to share it and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page. We are so excited to be here. We love the Pen Posse. It's an opportunity to get to know writers, get to know some of the work that they're working, the things that they're working on, and get to learn from them. That is essential to what this is all about. So for the next two hours, we're going to be here talking about masculinity, maleness, and motivation, and how male writers find purpose in the pen. For those of you watching, you can drop your questions in the comment area and we'll be sure to get those to our panel. So you've got us for a long time, everybody. So don't hesitate. So I, I want to pause and let all the girlfriends and the wives get an ink pen because they're going to learn a lot about black men today. And I'm so excited that that is the case. Let's make sure we get everybody on the screen. We've got a few more that are going to come on. So. I want everybody to take about two minutes and introduce themselves and their work, and then we're going to get down to some of our questions. In the meantime, for those of you who are out there who have any questions for our panelists, drop those in the comment area, and we will get to those questions at some point in this presentation. But we're going to break out the conversation into a certain topics. We're going to break it down. <clears throat> we're going to look at masculinity and manhood, which is our first area. And then we're going to talk about changing the narrative about the Black experience. And then we're going to talk about writing while Black, male, and motivated. So those are the three areas we're going to focus in on 
And we're just asking everyone to be honest, to be um, to talk to us about what they've learned and what they feel. But I couldn't start this conversation without talking about masculinity. So we're going to after we get everybody to introduce themselves, then we are going to ask everyone on the screen to give us a definition of what is masculinity. So let's start with you, Jonathan. Jonathan, please intro yourself. Good morning. Good morning. I, my name is Jonathan Watson. Uh, TJ is actually a childhood nickname of mine from the show Recess. So that's another fun fact. I am from Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm 29 years old. I am a brother. I have a younger brother, Daniel, who's 21, uh, 20. I wrote the My Brother's Keeper. Uh, it's a book series that features two brothers. One is born without health complications. The other is born on the autism spectrum and how they learn to be brothers on and off the court. Isaiah, the older brother, likes basketball. Jonathan, which is my birth name, he's into drawing. And they learn, despite the differences, how similar they are. So that's I have a My Brother's Keeper and My Brother's Keeper 2, Welcome to the Prowl, is available on Amazon. And as of a couple of days ago, I have decided to announce that My Brother's Keeper 3 will be coming out this fall or winter of this year. Excellent. Great. Congratulations on everything that you're doing. Keep writing. We want to learn more about your book as we go throughout this, um, this two-hour session. So thank you for being here. Terrence? Okay, I think Terrence uh, cannot hear me. Um, TK, you want to get started? All right, greetings, everyone. My name is TK Ware. I'm an author of um, 40 plus books, um, film director, um, actor, a minister of the gospel, um, youth mentor, et cetera, et cetera. My, one of my recent books, well, it's not recent, but one of the books that I think speaks to the heart and the core of um, manhood and men in general is a book we wrote. And we also did a conference a while back called Man Up, which is men empowering men because of society and everything that's going on. You know, it's it's good when another man can can share with another man without feeling um, less of a man per se. So we're excited to be here. Um, you can find my works on Amazon and all the other retailers, the bookstores, and my film should be coming out sometime next year. And the film is from one of the novels I wrote. That is excellent. Thank you so much for being here with us. 40 books. That's an inspiration to all of us as writers. We definitely want to learn from you. You're doing so many different things. We'd love to learn more about how you are moving from one to the other, from, from books to film. And we'd love to learn more about uh, your books in general. Tell us something. Of the 40 books, what genres are you writing in? Um, <laughs> all genres except I don't. we don't do... Um, and this is no knock on any. I don't do um, erotica books, any books with vulgar language. Um, so we do children's, young adults, um, self-help, um, devotionals. Even the fiction books we do are, are I won't say Christian-based. You know, there is no, no vulgar. There is no gore scene. So everything is centered around inspiration and motivation. Even the characters are real-life individuals who are just dealing with situations while trying to trust that the process is working so every genre except for anything that's vulgar erotic um 
So we don't write in that genre. Excellent. And and so we're talking about purpose in the pen. And I know, you know, anyone who's written 40 books, film, those of you who have written multiple books, those of you who hadn't, who hadn't even written a book yet, but who's out there preparing to, uh, you're going to really talk to us. We're going to learn from you today about purpose and the pen and comments are already coming in. So thank you so much for being here, TK. We're going to go back to you, Terrence, and let you introduce yourself. Peace and blessings. Can you all hear me? Perfect. Uh, peace and blessings to you all. Uh, I want to thank you first for the opportunity to allow us to share and talk and, and fellowship amongst each other. Uh, my name is Terrence Doctor. Um, I'm a, I am a husband. I'm a father. I'm a community and youth advocate. Uh, I am an author of uh, my first, well, my only book uh, as of now called Please Give Me a Dollar. Uh, it's pretty much um, what I call, it's pretty much my book of Journal of Life Lessons. Um, I believe in growing up, I was taught that it was hard for as men to share our emotions. So from a young age, I started journaling, but at the time I was ashamed to tell anybody because I thought I was gonna get joked on and picked on and stuff. So I kind of kept that to myself. So essentially the book is about finding my happiness and I equate happiness to a dollar. Um, that's my only books thus far. Um, I recently just uh, completed an 18 year journey in college for my bachelor's degree. Um, it's been a long, long, long journey in that uh, I am the father of three children, um, father of three children, a uh, 14-year-old, a five-year-old, and one passed away uh, last year uh, after being born for three days. So um, I'm extremely active in my community. I love serving uh, my community. I'm also the president and founder of a boys mentorship program called Blueprint to Manhood, which is an organization that focuses on teaching life skills to young men. Um, you know, we were kind of hit uh, hard, like everyone with COVID and stuff like that. So we're trying to get back out there uh, along with personal issues of, you know, trying to, you know, as far as me trying to work through my grief, um, but we're set to get back running um, maybe this year, early next year, latest. Um, but I just enjoy, you know, fellowshipping with my community, with my brothers. Um, I'm thankful for this opportunity to learn and grow and just share uh, about myself and what I've learned through writing. So I thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you so much for being here with us. And um, I think we all would like to, you know, offer you our condolences for, you know, the death of your of your baby and dedicate this opportunity to learn from you um, to to your family as a whole. Uh, this is so excellent that so many of you are doing things in the community to help our younger generation. And uh, great to know that I don't know if the writing opened the opportunity to create the nonprofits or the the charitable work or is it the other way around but regardless i'm seeing this more and more that a lot of our writers are not just writing books okay that becomes like either the start but it begins to move into so many different things because when you are a writer you become a subject matter expert to a lot of people you've written a book people look up to you and they feel like you've done the research the homework you are ingrained and engaged in a particular topic and so that give that opens doors for you to now educate on a bigger, on a larger, on a larger way. So I do uh, love what you're doing. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, Andre, introduce yourself. Yes, good morning. First of all, thank you for um, the opportunity um, to speak on this platform. But yes, my name is Andre Folks. I'm hailing out of Chicago. I'm an educator. I've been teaching for um, five years now. Yep, five years. Uh, I'm originally from uh, 
the Carolinas, so my accent, I don't have a Chicago accent. You know, their, their accent's a little cooler than mine, maybe. <laughs> but um, I'm an educator, I'm an author. I've, I've authored two books. Um, I have my, my latest book with me. It's called Brilliant Minds of Black Men. Myself and six other uh, black male authors got together and wrote a book that really talks about our lives and how um, really just our transformation journey um, to help motivate others to embrace that journey as well and the fruit that can happen um, after you embrace that journey. Um, aside from that, I work pretty heavily in my school and other other um, arenas outside of the classroom. I'm a part of a collective called the Black Boys Collective, where we kind of create space to help our young black boys to feel seen, feel heard, feel respected, and even feel um, like they belong, uh, develop a sense of belonging in the school. Um, I've been working with them for a pretty, for a couple months now. Um, and I also work in men's ministry. I've been a part of men's ministry since I was 20 years old. Um, so I'm all about all three of the topics that will be discussed today, uh, masculinity, manhood, and motivation. I'm all about that. And um, uh, yeah, so that's pretty, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. I'm happy to be here. And we are so happy that you're here with us doing some dynamic things. I love that. Five, five years teaching. What do you teach? Yeah, so I teach a class called Ethnic Studies, and I teach uh, African-American history. So this year I'll be teaching technically all four grade levels at my school. So it's a high school as well. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, did we get everybody in? Jonathan, TK, Terrence? I think we did. Everybody has had an opportunity to introduce themselves. Um, again, I am Michelle Jackson. I'm the founder of the Black Writers Workspace. The Pen Posse is an opportunity for us to meet with new writers, uh, writers who are doing some dynamic things in the community and learn from you. Today's topic is manhood, masculinity, and motivation, how, how male writers find purpose in the pen. Why this is so important to me um, is because, first of all, I'm one of those women who love black men, grew up with all brothers, primarily all male cousins, playing football in the street, never played with a tall thicker day of my life. Just love the, the camaraderie that I always saw with black men. And I think it is such a, uh, it's something that is, is not talked enough about is the fact that there is a bond that you guys carry with each other. Uh, we're not always privileged to it, and, and, and rightfully so, we shouldn't be. But I saw it growing up. I saw how you could come together, how you can get mad at each other on a, at a Monday on a Monday afternoon and be dabbing it up on Tuesday, and uh, everybody was in, in in good spirits and, and loving on each other. And I saw how you could go into a setting like a barbershop and talk and share things with people and younger generations and be inspiring to each other. The narrative, though, that we see is that black men can't get along, right? Black men, there's crime, violence, fatherlessness, joblessness, the stats don't look good, um, but I know that's not true about who you are and the fact that you are now writing and sharing yourself with the world is profound. So let's get into the heart of what this conversation is gonna be about. Um, so we're gonna start with masculinity. I want everyone to define what masculinity is, because we cannot talk about masculinity and manhood without understanding how everyone's, where you stand on the topic, because what you may think is masculine may not be what the other brother may think is masculine. So let's start with you, TK. Let's talk about how do you define masculinity? All right. Um, you know, I said, and I, because there are so many diverse um, definitions of it, and just the traits of masculinity involves strength, 
courage, you know, independence. But, you know, as I or how I view it, masculinity as a whole is, is strength and the ability to persevere and triumph in situations. Because for the most part, every man have experienced trying times. And um, just because you, you know, they like to say just because you have the genitalia doesn't necessarily mean you are a man. You know, you are a male. But once you come into manhood, then you understand that there is a charge. There's an innate charge, an ability to to be who you're supposed to be, you know. And um, I like to hang around a lot of elder people, and and you know they, you know, and I like to take in all the information that I can. But one of the main adjectives that I would use to describe a a man, as far as the masculinity, is strength. You know, your strength is not defined by the next man. Because God enables you to do whatever you need to do. And I'm going to use this just as a center point. And then uh, we, you can move on to someone else. And there's a scripture that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and everyone knows that scripture. you know. And But see, that scripture is not dictated on my neighbor. It's not about I can do all things that strengthens him. Everything is individual. So that means God has enabled every individual the ability to triumph through that situation. But see, the problem is we don't know we have that strength. And it's when you find yourself or unable to, to rest because sometimes the the cares of the world can, can bombard so much that you can feel as if you can't make it. But if you allow yourself to just rest and realize that whatever you are going through, if it has come across your path, it's because God has already enabled you to go through it. You just gotta go through the process. So the key word that I see in masculinity is an innate strength that rests within. Excellent. How did you get to a place where you were comfortable in your in your own skin as a man to share that strength with the world on paper? I mean, because there is a point as a writer where we all have to, I, I call it a contract. We have to make a contract to say, okay, I'm going to be transparent and I'm going to share something that somebody may not like or somebody may feel like I'm I'm oversharing or, you know, I'm, I'm a man writing a, a children's book or I'm a man writing a book about someone that's hurting and, and people may not have ever seen that side of me. What did you do, TK, you know, to get to that place where you felt comfortable with sharing your work on on paper? Well, for one thing, you have to be comfortable in who you are, you know, and and you can't compare what you have or what you do not have to your next name. And I grew up. There's an old song. I don't know how old it is, but um, it's a rap song. And I remember, you know, I don't want to give off my age. I remember many, many years ago. I think it's, it's something like I grew up with my daddy's brother. So in my household, it was I grew up with it was me, my my brothers and my uncles. And I had a lot, 12 uncles. And, and then I have two brothers. Then I had another guy who was like a brother. So I grew up in the environment of men exemplifying strength and it wasn't popular to you know consider you know weak you know like you know you don't shed no tear it, it literally and this is you know i give um I, i'm thankful for because god strategically placed men in your life to take you to the next level that you may have missed it took me x amount of years in my 20s to where i was able to I, another man told me my pastor he said i'm proud of you and I couldn't, my mind couldn't understand or how to respond to that because I'm not saying that I grew up in an environment that didn't 
um, employ that, but it was something I wasn't used to. It was a vulnerability so that I wasn't used to. And so I didn't know how to retaliate or respond to it. And other times while well, I would do things and I remember his response would be, so you're not going to tell me. And I grew up in an environment. I don't have to tell you what I'm, what I'm doing or when I'm doing or how I'm doing. And so that, that left me with no accountability. And so as I broke pride, knowing that, okay, Ken, TK, you don't know it all. And, and it's okay. You know, you going through this, it's okay to share. People are not going to look at you as less of a man. It's okay. And once I got to the point where I realized that everyone, you know, is not just going to talk about you or talk down on you, that there are people that can help you because I haven't been there everywhere. I don't know everything. And once you come to the realization that you don't know it all, and one of the books we wrote, you know, you don't know it all. You don't have all the answers. And yes, sometimes the problem is you. And once you understand those those factors, then you can kind of relax. You can kind of relax and, okay, okay, I don't have to walk around, you know, with my chest stuck out, you know, as if I got it all together. It's okay. And and, and this is unpopular, but it's okay to share the tears sometimes, you know. That doesn't make you less of a man. And, and, and God had to deal with me on that because I grew up where, you know, who... It, it, it was no shit. It was no shedding of tears, you know, for nothing. But now here I am and writing books. And when I'm writing, even the characters, I become those characters. So to exemplify every form of emotion, the Lord had to touch me in every aspect to to show that you can be a man. You can walk in your dominion and your strength. And yet you can still become so humble and meek to reach a child, to reach someone who didn't grow up with a father, to reach someone. And that requires you to strip away all forms of pride and realize that I went through this. Whatever you have went through or going through is not just because of you. It's because someone else either will go through or are currently in it and your experience can help them. And that's what makes us grow and evolve. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. We have uh, someone else who joined us, Cameron um, Sykes. Uh, we will give you a second to introduce yourself. Uh, but first, I wanted to go to you, Andre, and let you give us a definition of your definition of masculinity. Yeah, so uh, uh, TK hit on a lot of really good points. He, he stole my answers to a degree, <laughs> so I don't want to repeat what he said. But um, if I could add to the conversation, I would say that masculinity is about strength, protection. Um, and I want to even include something that's a revelation that I got about masculinity um, really over the pandemic was building. I think that unfortunately in the past, we've measured men through what they could do. You know, if they could uh, uh, go out and make this money or go out and just do different things. But I think we need to add to the to the definition building. Like what is a man building? I think that all men to a degree are builders whether it's you're building a business, whether you're building a person, uh, whether you're building a family, I think that um, that needs to be added to the conversation of what a man is. What are you building? Um, unfortunately, we've seen men who provide for their families, right? That's the base level of masculinity and being a man, but your kids are un emotionally unstable because you're not emotionally available. Um, you're not, uh, you know, your wife doesn't feel loved because you're too prideful or too too busy or too um, consumed with other things to really show your wife the love that's needed for the family to really prosper. So I think just um, TK stole a lot of my answer, but uh, if I wanted to, if, to add to the conversation, I would say uh, masculinity is about what a man is building um, from himself. Cause you first, you have to build yourself 
Um, what, what type of development are you going through? Are you willing to grow? Are you willing to evolve? I think a masculine man is a man who is willing to evolve, grow, and go through that process of transformation. And as I said before, yes, it's going to require uh, tears. Um, I grew up in that same kind of way of uh, my dad used to always tell me, don't cry unless you see bone or blood. That was that was the rule. Um, you know, I played football. I got a football background. I played with all types of injuries from pulled muscles to uh, torn. I even played a game with a whole torn tricep. <laughs> that's, my, that's kind of my tough guy story. Um, but uh, even in that, you know, the hardest thing that I've ever had to do is heal, um, evolve and grow. Um, so I think that's what masculinity is about. I love that you said building. I love that. I'm always look, using the analogy of building a house. The first thing you need is the foundation. And building starts with the foundation of things. And if we don't have that foundation, that strong foundation, whatever we build on it is going to fall down. Right. So if you feel that men, that you are the foundation of the family, if you're not strong and solid, then the family is going to fall. I love that you brought that up. That's that's excellent. Jonathan, what's how do you define masculinity? Well, I'll, to pick you up back off of TK and Andre, who pretty much gave a word, basically. Um, I just want to add, I, I read a book from a, a pastor, Brian Tome. He wrote The Five Marks of Manhood, Finding Your Path to Courageous Manhood. And one of the points that he contrasts between manhood and boyhood is a boy wants to be the MVP. He only cares about himself. A man is a team player. He looks to care for others. And I liked what Andre was talking about building. I'm thinking more of like, for me, manhood is leaving a legacy. Manhood is like leaving something for other generations to follow. Um, I, I know in the scriptures, it says that a man, a, a godly man leaves a generation of wealth for his children's children. So to me, just to wrap it up, I'll say, you know, manhood to me is leaving a legacy for others to follow. It could be good, it could be bad, so. Excellent, leaving a legacy, which is something that I feel like as writers, uh, that's what we're doing. Our books are going to outlive us, right? So that's why what we put in this work is so important. It can't be junk because in 50 years, this is gonna be your legacy. And so when people pull those books out and they see your name on there, that is part of your legacy. And so that is so so important, but leaving a legacy as a leader in the family is so critical as well. I love that. Thank you, Jonathan. Jonathan, I really appreciate that. Terrence? Uh, yes, you guys have, have <laughs> You guys have gave some amazing answers. It's kind of hard to follow you guys up because everything that you say sounds like we're, we're going to repeat each other. But that just goes to show that we're all on the same page. We're all going and we we'll all have, you know, a lot that we can connect and learn from each other. Um, I also would like to say that, you know, when I think of masculinity, I think that first it has to have, you have to have a strong understanding of self. I think it sounds very simple, but it's very hard, especially for my, my personal experience. Uh, I grew up, uh, in a single parent household, it was just me and my mom. So I dubbed myself the man of the house when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old. So I did things that I thought a man is supposed to do, even though I was a boy. So for me, it was, I'm trying to figure out, my mother never asked me, 
to be the provider of the house that wasn't my role but because i was the only what i perceived man in the house that's the way i perceive things like i'm going to be the protector i'm going to be the provider i'm going to do this so it took me a long time to find myself so in my masculine like having masculine moments i had to there was a moment where to to go back to what tk said it's okay to cry it's okay to share tears i was raised man i was raised more so all the ideas that I pretty much received was from guys in the street. So I was told, man, if you a man like you, you could be going through, you could be going through tough times, you could be going through hell, but you better not show it. You have to have a poker face. So I had to hold a lot in. And that thinking has cost me a lot because I it took me a long time to open up. It took me a long time to share what I was going through, share what I'm feeling. So for me, being masculine is just being able to identify the feelings that you're going through, being able to find yourself. Because if you have so many brothers have are good brothers, but they they don't have an idea of who they are. So if you don't have an idea of who you are, you know, it's, it's going to make it extremely challenging to know where you're going and then to to build a family. And I went through all of these things. You know, I was a young dad. So trying to learn how to be a father without, you know, having really fully experienced in the way I wanted to experience it. So for me, it was everything that I had to go through. I had to more so grow into it. I had to be willing to uh and open to accept advice uh i had to my pride has put me in a lot of messed up situations my pride has put me in horrible situations so checking my pride at the door that comes a part of you know learning masculinity so just being able to just grow and learn from other brothers and just um and just find yourself have to find yourself so i love that understanding self now somebody tell me what would you say to single mothers? We've we've been taught, many of us, I, I'm not a single mom, but many women have been taught that you teach your boys to be men and you tell them don't cry. And you, you know, this these are things that we've been taught to do because we want them to be tough. But it, it seems like that message is not right. So very quickly, can someone just tell me what is the, what's the right way? what's the right attitude a woman should take in raising a son who's going to be um who understands who he is and who's comfortable in his own skin and who's okay with being emotional if he needs to be emotional how how would you address that anybody want to take it yeah i'll definitely take a stab at that just coming from the classroom and seeing that a lot and working firsthand with um students who will come from those single mother households uh, with males i would say the right thing to do is, number one, um, acknowledge that you're raising a son who's about to, who's going to one day be a man, who's, mm -hmm. who's developing into a man. Unfortunately, one thing that I see pretty often is, um, so I teach younger, uh, older kids that are, you know, 17, going to be 18, about to be in the world, right? So unfortunately, I see them have a lot of tendencies to where I can tell that they were raised kind of to, you know, they're very childish in some ways. Um, this is not all, but just some. They're, you know, really, you can tell they're a baby if that's even, their, you know, that's, I can tell they're a baby and you can just tell with their interactions with others that um, they don't know how to serve. Um, so if I was to ever talk to a single mother, I would say, make sure that your son knows how to serve because as, as men, if he's going to be a husband one day or be a leader or anything um, in any capacity, he's going to have to know how to serve. So whether you get him involved in sports or get him involved at, at a church or get him involved in anything, I would say show that son, show that young man the value of serving and how important it is. Because when you're serving, 
that helps break pride. That helps bring a level of humility that's necessary for you to grow. Um, it helps you to be open to others. Um, so yeah, I would say definitely make sure that your son understands the value of serving. That's, that's huge. You can't do everything for him. <laughs> Excellent. Love that. Love that. Everybody out there, if you have any questions, you can put those questions in the comment area and we will definitely get to them. We've got a lot of comments coming in. Congratulations, Terrence from Tia Watson. PD um, Westbrook, um, IPD, ICP Publishing is the name of the publishing house. I think that's your company, TK. Is that what I'm going to understand? I've seen a lot of <laughs> comments in there. This is this is going very well. Um, so please, we'll get to those questions. Now, we're going to meet our new addition, which is Cameron. Let's talk to you. Uh, introduce yourself, but also then give us your definition of masculinity. Sure. Uh, can you hear me? Just checking that yeah. out. Okay, good. Um, so first off and foremost, my name is Cameron Keon Sykes. Um, I'm 25. I'm a black writer and artist from Queens, New York. Um, some things about myself. Um, I don't have any published works out just yet, but I am currently working on a um, a collection of poems I titled uh, Prayers in a Pillowcase, which is basically about my personal experience as a black man dealing with uh, mental health and uh, anxiety. And um, I have spent some time in the past couple of years during the pandemic um, bringing together a community through things like a, um, a virtual workshop that I had hosted for quite some time, about pretty much the entirety of 2020. Um, it was the Profit Corner Writing Workshop where I helped artists basically get into their own, um, get into the issues that they want to talk about and like, get more confidence with um, their own writing styles and their own creativity, um, let them bring their visions into light and things like that. Um, Currently, right now, I'm working on some more um, collaborative pieces with other artists in my community. Um, that is to be seen. I'm still fixing up the details when it comes to that. When it comes to my definition of masculinity, again, like um, like TK and Andre were saying, a lot of these answers are going to blend together because I feel like we all come from very similar um, experiences when it comes to being both black and men in the community and in um, you know the U.S. community. So. Um, our answers are gonna to blend together. I would say the only thing that I would add to the conversation to kind of like tie everything together is that my definition of masculinity involves, you know, taking that initiative and seeking certain things when it comes to being a pillar, not only for your family, but also in your community, um, being strong and understanding what strength is. It's not just about being physically, you know, strong. It's also about having the emotional strength to realize that I need to grow in certain areas having the mental strength to realize that um, I need to take care of myself and I need to look out for those who can't take care of themselves. Um, it's about taking all that, taking all the things that I've learned over the time I've spent being a man and passing that down to maybe my sons, maybe someone else's son. So I'm basically just making sure that those lessons of being a man are there. They keep growing, they keep evolving over time. And, um, I'm keeping that legacy going by letting the next generation after me improve on where I failed at. I feel like that's a big part of being a man, um, in my eyes at least. Um, I would also say that um, that I would I really did love the idea of building and being the foundation. I feel like being a foundation is a very important part of um, uh, you know masculine energies that um, you have to put that time and effort into you know, being there for the people around you, being sure that they can lean on you if need be, but also understanding that you can, that having the emotional strength to say that I can lean on other people, you know, 
Um, so that reciprocity of being that foundation and also being one that needs foundation and understanding that you need foundation, I feel like they go hand in hand. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you for your comments. So what I'm hearing and when it comes to masculinity, we're looking at strength, be comfortable in who you are, remove pride, love that, build, uh, leave a legacy, understand, understand yourself, um, knowing how to serve, uh, taking the initiative to take care of yourself and the people around you. Excellent session. Excellent. Um, I have a question come in. I'm going to put it up on the screen and we're going to go into it and then we're going to move over to some of the other things. I had a, I wanted to put this question up first, but uh, I knew it was going to come up at some point. Somebody was going to ask about toxic masculinity. So you guys, you're ready for that one. Um, but I was also going to ask a question and we'll come back to it to how you show masculinity or manhood or whatever, you know, those qualities we talked about to the younger generation? What do you do? And I know a lot of you are doing some service work um, in the community, but I'm even thinking about just that day to day. When you see a young brother, when you see a young person on the street, how do you share with them what you learned about masculinity? But before we get to that, let's pop Craig's, let's see what this comment is. Um, how would you define the differences between healthy masculinity and toxic toxic masculinity? And how do the outcomes for family and community differ. Anybody want to take that? Um, if you don't mind, I might uh, take a stab at that one. Okay. Um, so first off, I want to, we'll just uh, handle this piece by piece. I would say the differences between healthy masculinity and toxic masculinity. Um, I would show it as an example. So a healthy mask, like a healthy sense of masculinity would be, um, and we're going to talk about emotion, guys. One of you did bring up the idea of crying and um, showing emotion. I would say healthy masculinity is, you know, both understanding that it's okay to cry, it's okay to, you know, release and express how you're feeling inside, whether that be crying or be anger or be depression, things like that. I feel like then on the other side, toxic masculinity would be the um, understanding and also the telling to other men around you that it's not okay to show those emotions that they make you, um, they paint you in this negative light or they make you seem weak or frail or anything like that. I feel like that's one of the big um, examples when it comes to you know disparaging healthy masculinity and toxic masculinity. Um, now, how do the outcomes for family and community differ? When it comes to family, and I've noticed this both with myself and um, the men around me in my life or the other boys that grow up around me in my life. Um, when it comes to family, it's a lot of the time um, older men that have a certain type of mindset that's been ingrained in them over time. And um, usually like fathers, uncles, grandfathers, uh, great uncles, basically older relatives that will um, basically be the role models for the younger generation. So if you have a father that's you know, preaching to you, that's letting you know that you, it's okay not to be okay, that it's okay to cry when you need to, it's okay to um, let yourself feel things. Um, you're going to grow up with that instilled in you. are going to grow up with that ingrained and then you're going to pass that down to those that come after you. Now, if you grow up with a father or grandfather, or uncle, whoever, that's telling you not to cry, that's telling you to bottle everything up, to just keep it pushing, you got to get this done, be a man, that's the type of person that you're most likely going to become because that's the example and the influence that you're being exposed to so 
as where it comes in for family, for community, I would say it's a bit different because there's not just the, um, there's, there's not just one influence in a community, right? So like a family is a more like, I would say closed ecosystem where things that happen inside the family are usually inside your family. But if they bleed out to the community, that becomes a bigger problem. Um, and I say that to say that the more times you hear things in the community, so a young man going out into the world, um, whether you be going to high school, going to college, or going out to extracurriculars, anything like that, when they're exposed to multiple men in multiple similar situations that are, you know, perpetuating the same, um, the same thoughts, the same ideas, um, and that that leans on you. It makes you really um, feel that, okay, so what my dad was telling me is actually right, or um, it might do the opposite. Like, Wait, hold on. Well, y'all don't believe in expressing your feelings. Y'all don't believe in um, crying. Why do y'all look at it that way? So it gives you this the sense of I don't belong when it comes to a community or the sense of I'm not doing what a man should be doing if we're being um, close to the question. I hope that answers the question. I might have ranted a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's that's personally my feeling on this question. Excellent. Anybody else want to take a stab, quick stab at it? I'll stab at it right quick. Um, okay. You know, I agree with everything that was said. And as he was speaking, um, I'm a visual person as well. And, and it's a movie I saw recently. Um, and it exemplified this toxic behavior, you know, just just on the core value of um, understanding what tox toxic masculinity is. It's when you're that individual or that body of people are harmful to society and even to themselves. So now we're talking about sexual assaults and bullying and, and aggression. And in this movie, this this man who was her husband, because sometimes that toxic behavior can be in the house and they got into an argument and he physically grabbed her, threw her to the ground, picked her up, threw her somewhere else and drawed his hand back, getting ready to hit her. And, and she she froze and, and, and the narration in the back. And she said at this, she says, not that he attacked me, but the fact that he 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 wasn't going to stop. And so this toxic behavior can become fearful because you're you're afraid to 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 leave this this situation. And then you're afraid to stay. And so how it affects the family and community, because, you know, if that's your family member, you know, let that just be blunt. If, if my cousin, brother, whatever, that's, that's still my cousin, brother. I may not agree with their behavior, but you you have to love them. But you, that don't necessarily mean you agree with it. So I would say the family sometimes condone, you know, they, they may not accept, but they, but they they put up with it. When as far as the community, you will be ostracized for it. You will be labeled. And that retaliation, retaliation may become harmful. And so you can easily see the difference between healthy and toxic because toxic is, it, it comes in so many forms of aggression and this aggression is a long stem of things and, and abuse. And, and this stems from not just violence, not just gang oriented, but just all of this stems from inside. So there's something that, that happened mentally and this not saying no one is crazy, but some trigger this this form. And a lot of men don't like to deal with what triggered this outcome. And so what happens is the individuals suffer the outcome without understanding the cause because everything has cause and effect. And so once you can understand to a certain degree the cause, then it can help you navigate around this toxic behavior and seek some type of form of counseling to help 
understand. And as far as in family, I'm gonna stop here. The family have to come together and 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 form a bond. And they say it takes a village to raise a child. Well, a family that prays together stays together. And that's a lot of things that absent in a lot of families is prayer. And so once you prayer is not just about closing your eyes, but prayer is coming in agreement and understanding and seeking a change. Excellent. Thank you guys. We're going to move forward um, with in the next topic, which is changing the narrative about the Black experience, because we're getting more questions about writing. Um, that was an amazing round. I learned so much. I have a 16-year-old, um, and I'm, I'm still learning uh, about how to raise him in a healthy environment. My husband is a, is a retired military a uh, wonderful father and you know but I grew up in a single parent household I grew up in the projects I you know I, I've seen it all from every direction and I can tell you that this is a much needed conversation because no one's really talking about it I knew the question about toxic masculinity was going to come up because that is a term I'm hearing so much of and I think you guys did a great job of answering those questions and laying out what masculinity is. And it is not one thing. It is all these different things. It is all of them. So let's talk about this change in the narrative about the Black experience, because I wanted to talk about masculinity because I know that to sit down and write, it takes, like I said, that contract you have to write with yourself, the contract to say that it is okay to share. It is okay to be transparent. It is okay to be authentic. It is okay to express yourself and words, words that will not dissolve, they will not erase. These words will be out in the world forever. And I'm sure many of you have written things and people have come to you and said, man, why you write that? You be kicking you out the club. You know, you shouldn't have said all that. Um, however, you felt comfortable in doing so. You laid it out for us and that's, that's important. Now we haven't heard from you, um, who haven't we heard from too much, but I, I want to start off by talking about some of the stats that I hate. And I want you to tell me how your writing will change the narrative around these stats. Okay. Salary among average salary for black men in the U S is $828 weekly. Uh, for white men, it's $1,115 weekly. Education, the gap is greater um, still at higher education levels. Only half as many black men have master's degrees as black women, white men and white women. Upward mobility, the data shows that black men raised, uh, men raised by low income parents face twice the risk of remaining stuck in intergenerational poverty um, than women. In unemployment, black men has the highest unemployment rate of civilian non-institutionalized black and white men, women over the age of 20. These are, this is what's out there. This is the narrative. This is what the media is always glaring about. Tell me each one of you, how will your writing change this narrative? How are you course correcting this in your work? And are you even trying to tackle these issues in your work? How do we not tackle these issues in our work? But anybody want to start, Jonathan, you want to start there with your book? It's uh, My Brother's Keeper, correct? Yes, ma'am. Um, mm -hmm. I think for me, I don't know if you brought it up or not, but for me personally, my writing plans to change the narrative of how boys communicate how they feel. I like how, as boys growing up for me personally, my mom was a communicator in our family. 
So I learned how to verbally communicate how I felt in a respectful but truthful manner. Um, I was born, and to make things look more interesting, I was born with a stroke. So I couldn't speak until around six, seven years old. So for me personally, when I write my books, I want to show that it's okay to express how you feel in a constructive manner. And as I've grown up, I've learned how to, you know, confront my parents in a respectful way, but at the same time, like, hey, this is how you hurt my feelings, and that is how I don't want to get I don't want to get back and forth. I want to come to a peaceful solution. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is growing like growing up, I've always had friends who always like watching BET, MTV, and some of the shows that kind of promote guys, you know, getting to gangs and everything else. And I didn't even get into that. My parents wouldn't even let me tolerate that mess in the first place. So I didn't have that. But seeing where my friends were at, living in neighborhoods that had certain streets you passed time of the day, my 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 writing wants to say, hey, this is how you can do it. Because we see enough of our own getting killed, arrested, and in jail. I want to give a positive outlet as far as like, hey, this is how you can communicate how you're feeling. If you're feeling angry, great. If you're feeling sad, great. It's okay to be vulnerable. And like I think TK or Andre said it earlier, it's okay to be vulnerable. And I think it's like a neck, I want to relieve the next generation of the stigma of you have to be hard and you have to be, you know, manly, so to speak. Excellent. For all of you, be sure to put your information in the comment um, um, box so that we can know how to find your work. Um, great answer. Andre, you want to talk a little bit about how will your work change the narrative that's out there about Black men in America? Yeah, for sure. Um, my latest book, Brilliant Minds of Black Men, I talk in pretty good, great detail about, about, this, um, about this topic. Um, for me, my work is going to be you know, work, the work that I have now and the work that's to come is going to be a lot about mindset. Um, in my book, Brilliant Minds of Black Men, my chapter is entitled Song Thinking Legacy. And it kind of just helps men see um, the byproduct and the uh, the rat race and even the destructive pattern of thinking like in a survival mode mindset. Um, so I think first, before we can elevate our image or elevate anything, I think we have to have to first deal with our mindsets. I mean, you can be in the hood or be an impoverished and have that different mindset. I think that you actually have to have a different mindset before you can really change your circumstance. So I think for me, my work in the community and my work in, in my writings is going to be really focused around mindset, helping black men see see themselves um, in, in a different light. Like what Jonathan said earlier, a lot of our depictions are just negative on TV, social media, uh, you know, just from BT even to all these streaming services now, you don't see too many black men depicted as positive characters. Um, you know, you don't see the Rosewoods or the, there's a few shows out there that, that depict us positively to a degree, but it's so so few and far in between. But my, for me, my writing, my work is going to help shift the mindset of men and hopefully that'll help shift their, their circumstance and help raise up those things you talked about, like your education level, your, your, your money, um, I think all that begins in the mind first and from your mind flows everything else. 
Excellent. Excellent. Um, Cameron? Yeah, sure. Um, what I feel that my work um, contributes to, you know, changing that narrative is definitely my work focuses a lot on um, both understanding and, you know, accepting certain mental aspects about yourself, especially, you know, as a man, as I usually speak on my own experiences. So they end up um, centering around how do I deal with my mental health? How do I deal with anxiety? How do I deal with depression? How do I deal with these things and um, live my life as a man centered on that? Um, I also put a lot of my work into painting better images of our community, um, things that we may be struggling with right now. You know, um, we struggle with the the uh, lack of educational resources. We struggle with the lack of representation in the media or positive representation in the media. Um, so I try to represent that through my creative work to say this is what it would look like if we would be overcome these um, um, I put a lot of effort into um, making sure that whatever I leave behind after I, you know, whether I put down the pen or I meet my maker, whatever happens, um, the work I'm putting out gives people, you know, the motivation or the desire to want better for themselves and the people around them. So, um, because a lot of these issues are because we were a lot of our communities are redlined, a lot of communities are marginalized, and you know, um, minority communities have not gotten the both the resources and the motivation to want a better life for themselves. Um, and that that's a very systemic conversation. We can get into that later. But um, I would say both my writing and what I plan to do as far as you know, building nonprofits and building um, communities that support and promote these things um, is also a very, very big um, aspect of it so that we can get both the the mindset as both Andre and Jonathan talked about, as well as the resources to, you know, use and utilize once we have that mindset to make change. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Terrence? Uh, yes, I believe that my writings um, to, to piggyback off what Andre said, um, I'm huge on mindset, huge on mindset. So everything that I write focuses on mindset, emotions, um, and how to properly communicate. I think that that is a struggle for many people, young, young and old, on how to properly communicate. If you're angry, what comes out of your mouth? You could be angry, but still properly communicate how you feel in a healthy manner. So when I write, I'm a firm believer in everything that we go through isn't just solely for ourselves. It's to help someone else to, to navigate through their journey. So everything that I write has been to change the mindset. If you don't believe that you can do better, chances are you won't do better. Once I changed my mindset, it didn't mean that obstacles, tests and trials didn't come. It just meant, it just meant for me, because I changed my mindset, I was able to navigate it better because I knew what my outcome, my end goal was. I knew what I was working towards. So because everything that I write focuses on mindset, my goal is to not just focus on the mindset, but also be a representation of what I'm saying. A lot of people give advice on stuff that they don't necessarily take themselves. 
So I want to be a positive example and a representation um, within the community. So so uh, kudos to, to Brother Andre, who's in the school system, because when I look in the school system, I don't see many black males. So for me, it's trying to be not only just saying to do something, I, I want my writings to match my actions. Mm. So when you see it, you see changed mindset. You see growth because I'm extremely transparent in, in, in the things that I write. Some good, some bad, but I'm extremely transparent. But I want you to see that my words are matching how I'm moving. Now, I'm not necessarily perfect, of course, but I want you to look at me and see a changed mindset because that is huge. Because I had to think better. I had to think, uh, like someone said, I, it's not a problem if you're from the hood, but to me, it's a problem if you want to stay there. You know, like for me, it's, I don't like, and I don't judge anyone, but I just think that it, you have to surround yourself around positive brothers and um, in the community. And, and I'll say this, the, the focus on me becoming a writer was to essentially get off everything that I had going on inside of me. Because I was taught constantly, you know, to bottle it in. So to be a representation of the community, I believe that as men and as communities, we have to focus more on how can we healthy, how, how can we um, how can we go about communicating with each other? There is nothing wrong with serving God and going to counseling. There is nothing wrong with group therapy. There is nothing wrong with speaking to what we have to we have to break that narrative of we have to have it all together. That's not true. We don't have to have it all together. We are all works in progress. We are all everyone on this call and everyone on this in the, on here has something different that they're going through. But there are ways that we can properly navigate it through, you know, through um, through our journey of life. And one of the things that inspired me was I'll say this. Uh, Zora Neale Hurston is my favorite writer. She inspired me to write the way she was able to articulate her emotions. It was just something about the way that she was able to just put everything together. It just fed my soul. So for me, I understand my writings will not be for everybody. But my goal is to that someone looks at my writings just the way that I look at Zora Neale Hurston's writing and say, you know, what? it feeds my soul. It changes my mindset and it encouraged me to prove my actions. The fact that you brought up Zero Neil Hurston, um, you know, that right there just pinched my soul because she's one of my favorite writers as well. Uh, someone who wrote just profound work for many, many years, yet died poor. And um, this is someone I hope everyone will go out and, and you know, their eyes were watching. God was one of my favorites. And so go, go definitely read her work. I love what you said. I, I think that I think everybody on this screen is writing with a with a purpose behind it. No one is just writing to write. You know, we're not just coming up with stuff and really doesn't doesn't blend with what's happening in our lives. So I love that you guys are tapping into and telling that truth because that's how you change lives is when you are exposing a, a bit of yourself and connecting that and engaging with the reader. So I think we haven't heard from TK and Andre or did we hear from the two of you yet or Okay. Um, I agree with it. And, um, uh, and I'm not only repeat everything, but just to the core of my writing and a phrase that I've adopted several years ago, uh, because what, 20 plus years ago, I was the one who was with those drug dealers. I was the one who was out there. I was the one who was doing everything that you shouldn't do from robbery to you name it, you know, and I was out there and when, and I was the one, and it's it's comical 
but it's not. I was the one who hated church. I couldn't even say the word. I, that's how much I hated everything to do with church. I, I hated everything to do. If you came to me, approached me with the word God, I would curse you out. And it's been over 20 something plus years. That was that was the mindset I was in. And so God snatched me out of that environment. And then he, he placed the, the desire to, to want to write. And not just for my own purpose, but writing to help others. So the phrase he gave me, a renewed mind will produce a renewed life. And so all of my writing involves, and I'm also a poet, all of my writings involves the mindset, understanding not just who you are, but whose you are, and understanding that there's a better way. So throughout my writings, whether it's poetry, whether it's devotional self-help, the children books, whether it's fictional stories, the underlying factor is there's a better day. There's a change. There's a motivating factor. You can make it. So all of these and all those phrases throughout all of my writing, because I'm simply writing to help someone make it from one day to the next. Excellent. Andre, did you get a chance to, you, 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 did you share it with us? Yeah, I did. Okay. So let's get to some of these questions. This has been a great uh, round. I feel like uh, the, the M that's missing in, in manhood, masculinity, motivation is mindset. I'm hearing that a lot. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I, I want to be transparent. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting you guys to be talking about changing the mind, the way you are. Those were the types of books when I got out of college that helped me to grow up were books about, you know, I remember Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Myers and just talking about how so much comes against our mind. And if we can, we can regulate the mind and control the mind and not get brought into all the, you know, the, the pain and depression and heartache that, that hits us and let it take over our lives that we can move things in a different direction. I'm loving that you guys are talking about the power of the mind and, and changing the mindset. I'm going to go back up, put some of these questions on the screen and we'll ask, uh, get a chance to answer them. Uh, well, let's see what we got. This one's more about writing. Is there a community where black male authors gather? Finding a black male ghostwriter has been a struggle. And I find that there are plenty of women willing to write as men, plenty of non-blacks willing to write as blacks, but it seems difficult to find American black males who write. So where do you find the community and support? Uh, I can tell you, we have a lot of them on the black writers workspace, but of course we do have more black women in the workspace than black men, but uh, we have a great deal. And I've had some amazing black male writers on the pen posse. So anybody else, are you a part of any writing groups or uh, anything that's just strictly where you see there are a gathering of black male writers? Um, for myself, I am, I just believe in networking. So I believe in the power of networking and sharing and piggybacking off of ideas and just going to events. So, um, I'm, it's an honor to be involved, you know, with the black writers workspace and, you know, I'm extremely active on social media. So I believe in getting on other, other author groups and stuff like that. Um, and I'm in the, the Richmond, Virginia area. So, um, there's a lot of book events here so at the book events that's where i i normally meet other male authors uh because it's good to be online of course but meeting people in person for me helps a lot better to an extent um even though i'm young i'm still trying to figure out a lot of how to run social media um especially instagram and TikTok and stuff like that 
I'm 35, but I'm talking as if I'm 80. But I'm still trying to learn how to navigate social media. So for me, uh, spaces like this, which I'm thankful for, has not allowed me to meet up with other uh, brothers within the community and writers. And, you know, hopefully, you know, after this conversation ends to continue to build with each other and grow and stuff like that. So. Excellent. Uh, yes. Black Writers Workspace. We have black writers. And I totally agree with you. Um, events face to face is key. There are some dynamic writers out there. Uh, uh, One million self-published books every year. Um, a lot of we may not be getting the big million dollar deals, but nonetheless, nonetheless, we are writing. And so we do want to make sure that we can come together and share as much as possible. And there's a good question about the ghost writers, because uh, that is true. I don't meet a lot of male ghost writers. Uh, so that is something to, to, to look into. If we can find some resources, we'll definitely leave. We'll definitely put those out there for you. Let's go back to, um, does someone else have any comments on that? Um, I just want to just, um, piggyback and agree networking. Um, and I do, I do some ghost writing. Um, I'm, 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 I've helped a few people. You'll never know I've helped them. Um, and this, and I'm not going to name his name, but it, it helped. It gave me, um, I'm going to say this and I'm stop. It gave me, um, what's the word? It made me feel proud. There's one individual who he had a problem with writing and, you know, I don't judge, I, I don't judge, you know, that's not my place to judge whatever. I don't care. I mean, I'm still going to love you, you know, as a brother, if, if that's how we deal with it. Anyhow, he had an idea and everyone talked about him in his, in his family. They talked down upon him and, and, and he had an idea. So I, I, made time in my life i sat down with him every day you know at the coffee shop you know i'm a, i'm a coffeeologist if, if that's a word you know so i like to have a certain type of coffee and i can tell you if it's freshly brewed or instant anyhow so i sat down with him and write notes and once it got everything together i typed everything out for him um we designed it we published the book for him um he we set up a book signing for him and he wanted me to come and he's sitting there signing books and he had the proudest look on his face and his family was shocked. The people he worked with, they were shocked and they were amazed. And to this day, no one knew and no one would ever, I would never come out and say, I'm the one who write, um, wrote that book. And so it made me feel proud because he's, you know, he's ecstatic. And now his book has been made into a script and he's shopping it around and like I tell them always, man, you don't owe me nothing. This is something that God had laid on my heart to do, you know. So I ghost write from time to time, but um, I agree with net. I'm not in a community, but networking and social media is great. It's a great outlet. But when you can in, engage with individuals and you can sit and meet, you know, of course, the pandemic kind of prevents a whole lot of things, but you can navigate around it. Mm -hmm. Once you engage with individuals, you'll find that bond. And, and that's how I, I'm able to. Uh, fellowship with other writers. Now, there is a company called Story Terrace that was doing some um, promotion with the Black Writers Workspace. They were looking for writers of color to tell the stories, and they were actually ghostwriting for athletes, some major players, but they wanted Black voices. So if any of you are interested in ghostwriting, look up that company. I think they pay somewhere between $1,500, $2,000 a month or something, I mean, per book. Just something if you're interested in that type of work, that would be excellent. We have a couple more questions here. This is a great topic. Have either of you ever had a time where your motivation 
was completely gone, but somehow your pen kept moving. Let's talk about that. I'll take a step with that one. Um, for me personally, when it came to losing motivation, sometimes it took me talking to God, like asking him to give me wisdom on how to put the words down. Sometimes it's like watching a sports movie, sports club. Uh, sometimes I just find inspiration in so many ways. And during COVID, COVID allowed me to spend time writing. And when I was when I first started writing, and I knew it was a um, going to be part of what I do. I Sorry, that's that's my phone. <laughs> Sorry. Um, when I knew that writing was going to be like a career at some point, I knew that I was going. I just needed to get started, and once I got started, it just didn't stop. But what I would say is, sometimes you just need to take a break. Don't force anything if you don't have it. Um, sometimes. You can just watch an old TV show that you haven't seen in ages. And the next thing you know, like, hmm, let me give a little modernized script to it. So my advice to someone who's losing motivation, use different sources, use different ways to like, hmm, give a modernized script to it, give, make it rel uh, relatable to what we are going through right now. Um, so that would be my answer to it. Excellent. Anybody else? Uh, so, um, uh, uh, Oh, sorry. Did you want to go? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Okay. Um, I'll, for me, my first book, um, I was teaching my first year teaching and was trying to write a book at the same time. And it was a wild time, to say the least. And it was very easy for me to lose motivation just from my schedule because I was coaching football, trying to figure out this classroom stuff at the same time. Um, so it was really easy for me to lose motivation. But um, I would say go back to your why. Um, and I love what Jonathan said earlier about finding those different things that motivate you. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't always have to be if you're a Christian, a scriptural thing or a biblical thing or, or preaching or anything like that. It could just be whatever motivates you. I have people in mind that motivate me, like Ray Lewis, Eric Thomas, um, a few other men that and just people that just uh, motivate me to want to continue to keep going and build legacy. Just finding those voices and also just your why. I think those two things, a combination of those two things. Can really um can really help you know the bible says faith cometh by hearing right so i think that hearing those different voices um that motivate you whether it's your parents your uh, family i think a combination of voices and your why can help you keep that pin going cool somebody else you want to yeah, real quick, um i just wanted to piggyback a little bit off of what uh, jonathan and andre brought up um, one, I'm very glad that he brought up the fact that um, you can take you can take a step away because I feel like that's probably one of the biggest things when it comes to losing that motivation. Um, and I feel like anyone and and not just in writing, but in any um, anyone that practices a creative outlet, you'll lose motivation to um, to create at some point in your journey. And I feel like one the big thing to realize is that that's perfectly fine. Um, again, like I said, everyone that writes or that paints or that um, films, uh, shoots photographs, any creative outlet that you're practicing, there's going to be a time when, you know, the motivation isn't as strong as it once was or when you don't have the desire that you once did. There's, um, I say there's a very fine line when it comes to, because a lot of the answers end up being um, 
uh, discipline over motivation versus stepping away. There's a fine line when it comes to that where, yes, keep discipline. You know, try to, even if you don't feel the motivation to write, try to get some words out, try to get a line or two down, and then maybe you'll build up the motivation as you're working through. But if you're starting to realize that you're tired inside, you know, that the words aren't coming out or you're just, even if you keep writing, you're not happy with where you're writing, take that step away, get a breather, um, and just let yourself be for a little bit. I would say the biggest thing when it comes to, you know, motivation and, um, and things that you can do to help you, you know, stay motivated. Um, don't, you don't have to always write something serious or it doesn't always have to be grandiose or purposeful. Write things that just that let you have fun, write things that you like, write things that, um, I just put a smile on your face. It could be silly. It could be um, nonsensical. It could be fantastical. It could be whatever. Just as long as it's something that, you know, lets your mind relax. Cause I know a lot of us have, um, very, you know, strict or not even just strict, but very direct purposes when it comes to our writing and focusing on that purpose day in and day out and day in and day out with no rest, it can, you know, lead to burnout. So just take the time to, you know, write about something that's not as serious, just as, you know, like a, a break in between for yourself. That's one of the things I do. Um, and that's probably my answer to this question. Excellent. Anybody else, Terrence, did you want to? Oh uh, yes, that's a good question. Shout out to my wife for that question, by the way. That's a good question. Um, I think it was a. It's a matter of just understand. Like, okay, so it took me a long time to write my book because essentially, when I was writing, it was just like what Cameron said. I was just getting my feelings down on paper. Like, I had no idea that I was going to write a book. That was never in my plans to become an author. I never wanted to become an author. Nothing against authors. It was just never in my plans now obviously god's plans is totally different right so i started writing because i was getting my feelings out and then as i became into like my mid-20s i said oh man i might could write a book because i'm sitting here looking at a suitcase just full of notebooks full of my thoughts so i said well you know going back to what i said earlier about everything that we go through is not just for us it's to help somebody else so i said okay well and it's weird because i said all right when i write it i'm going to publish the book but I'm not going to publicly release it. Very weird thought. I just, for as a sense of accomplishment. So I said, all right, I'm going to publish the book, but I'm not going to release it publicly. I'm just going to have it as a keepsake. And then I got over my, I had to get over my pride and stuff like that. So I essentially started writing when I was like 12 or 13. I didn't wind up writing my, finishing my book until like I was about 32 years old. So in the book, I have thoughts from when I was 12, 13, 14, 16, different stages of my life. And just finding out what the purpose is you know last year like i said we we unfortunately had to bury our daughter after being born for three days so at that moment it was so much going on with grieving and still trying to find a sense of self trying to find my balance and um i started writing about maybe two months after she had passed away but more so the purpose was identifying that there is purpose in the pain that i'm going through there is purpose in the grief that i'm going through and just understanding that there is value and, and what I'm writing that can at least help inspire at least one person to, to stay the course, even though, you know, times get challenging. And when times are challenging for me, sometimes, you know, like to go back to what everyone said is, it's not about forcing it. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't like to force write. So if I hit a moment where it doesn't make sense, like I love jazz music. So I'll throw on, I'll throw on some Miles Davis, so I'll throw on some Coltrane, or I'll throw, and I'll just sit there. And some days I'll go weeks, or I may go a month without writing and then, 
next thing you know, I'll pick up my notebook and I'll write until I can't stop for like 30 minutes to hours straight. So um, just give yourself time, give yourself grace and just understand that, you know, being a creative, it'll come, it'll come, but don't force it. Can someone tell me, what are you hearing from people who are reading your work? What are you hearing from, from your boys, from, from people who are, may not have seen you as an author and now you are an author or you're writing poetry or spoken word or whatever. What are you hearing from them? Are they celebrating the work? Are they questioning? Are they concerned about where it's coming from? Anybody want to take that? Sure, I can go. Um, I think I read, I've, I've written two books, published two books. Um, a reoccurring theme or reoccurring thing that I hear is just the, the wisdom that I provide um, despite my age. Uh, because unfortunately we, we attach age to wisdom too often, I think. And um, I've had people of all generations, all um, races and ethnicities to kind of just compliment me on, you know, the amount of wisdom I was able to provide, how I was able to help shift their mindsets. I was able to just help them see life differently. Um, that's one thing that I want my writings to do is to provide a sense of hope. I mean, I think we live in a very pessimistic, uh, cynical society where people don't, see hope um and i and i i hope to um I provide some type of hope to people who read my books and that's that's a common theme is that i hear though is that um i provide wisdom and i think you need wisdom to really begin that process of transformation so that's that's one thing that really keeps me going going back to that question before the motivation you know the reviews and the things that people say to you about your books just remembering that why again um can help you continue to write but that's one of the things that I, that I hear uh, frequently about mine. Excellent. Anybody else? Well, I um, I remember hearing um, this one particular book I wrote. This this um, individual contacted me through, I want to say Messenger, um, and you know, I thought it was someone that I knew that was like TK. Um, um, when did you publish that book? And you know. So I'm thinking, okay, this must be someone they, they want copies. So I'm like, um, I gave them the date. I said, um, she was like, um, have you been talking to anyone? And I'm still couldn't figure out. And so they eventually said, um, everything I had wrote was exactly what they were going through. And so they thought I had drove all the way to my I'm I'm in Alabama. They thought I had drove all the way to Miami, met with her family members, and sat down and got all of her information, her dirt and wrote a book about it. So I had to literally screenshot when the book was released on Amazon and when it was written because the situation she was going through was current. But even though the book was written two years ago and, I, and once I showed her those things, that's when she began to realize and, and, and she began to thank God. And, and when those accolades of such come in, I've learned you don't take no credit as if you did this all by yourself. And so I quickly, you know, told her what it wasn't me. You know, I was in my house writing. And so when, you know, people are encouraged, if I can, um, it's a model I have, if I can just help someone, you know, I can, if I write a book and, and sell zero copies and one person get it and I help that one little person, that one person, then the, a book that may have took two years is purposeful for me just because I helped one person. And so, there are many messages that say, TK, you helped me with this, or um, you knew this situation. And this is from not just my poetry or devotion, but my fictional stories, because they're real life stories. And I'm stopping right here because one of my stories, and I share this with everyone, I was in my bedroom and I'm sitting there watching 
movies. I'm a movie fanatic as well. And this vision came down and I saw this, this girl. So I'm writing. And the, the message of that book, there's a, is a virgin who's the pastor's daughter that got pregnant by a minister in the church. And I, I'm sitting there writing and the names came to me and the exact name I had in my book was the exact name of the person that contacted me. And the exact situation I had in my book was the exact situation that had she had experienced. So she couldn't shake the fact that, no, that, there's no way you, you're supposed to know these things. And I had to reassure. So I'm just thankful for the journey and thankful that, forget the sales, I'm just happy to help someone. I love that you said uh, that. Kim? I'm sorry, you, you called. Zip. I'm sorry, someone was speaking. I'm sorry, I missed you. Who was oh, it? Oh, you. Oh, you wouldn't. I didn't want to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Okay. okay, so for me, a lot of times when I was writing, what my friends thought about it was because I'm not, I would say this, I believe that there are plenty of things that we must keep to ourselves. So I don't really announce, I don't really tell every, I don't really tell everybody everything that I'm working on. Because I just believe that you got to guard it. It's like Langston Hughes said, you know, you got to hold fast to dreams. So I believe that's like you got to protect it. So for me, a lot of my friends didn't even know I was in the book. Terrence, we're losing you. Um, can you hear us? I just okay. Can you guys hear me? We can hear you now. You went out for a second. Oh, I got to a point where they, they seem to be very respectful, very uh, receptive to it. They celebrate with me when I release it. Uh, we had a good time talking about it. and But a lot of reviews that I get, a lot of people just say that it's, it's book, a book full of wisdom. So that, that makes me proud, though. So it's good. Excellent. Anybody else? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to share real quick. Um, as far as, like, reactions, because uh, I've been writing since – like the first year of high school so around 14 years old um it's it's always interesting because like i feel like there's a lot of similarities in the in the responses because um obviously I, I perform as a poet so i i go out a lot i'm out there you know putting myself out there so i see a lot of people that i haven't seen in 10 15 years and they're always like oh cam I, um i had no idea you write what you're doing out here or um oh, i didn't know you were still writing i didn't know you were still you know uh, performing poetry and things like that and um i feel like there's always a, a decent i haven't had a negative um interaction at least not yet um as far as that goes i feel like there's always a good reception they're always you know applauding me for like um like it's already been said the wisdom beyond my years um and just the the both the ability to um to word things a certain way and uh, express sense uh situations as well as the ability to go in front of people and then, you know, say what I have to say or let that poem breathe, if, as it were. Um, so I feel like that's always been a good thing in my life and in my experiences. What would you do if you couldn't write? Who would you be? And let's just write your body. Hmm. Um, what would I be if I couldn't write? Honestly. I've thought about this a lot before. I don't think there's a situation. I don't think there's a um, a way for me not to have some form of creative outlet. If I couldn't write, it would be between probably um, photography, which I, I do as a hobby, as well as um, uh, sketch art or drawing in any uh, sense of the word. I just, there's something about 
creative expression has always drawn me in, no matter what it is, no matter what um, avenue or uh, medium I use, is it, just something about that I have to create in some way, shape or form. So it'll probably be one of those two things that I'll be focusing on. Excellent. Anybody else want to take that? I'll take one. Um, it's funny, I was telling, telling Andre, like Ray Lewis is one of my favorite inspirations because I was just reminded of his quote, like leave your mark and that to me was just like powerful because of what we we're talking about earlier. And as far as reviews, you know, when I first started writing, I wanted to write because growing up, I had books that I like to read that was interesting to me. And I wanted to always give younger generations that come after me the same opportunities. I was inspired by Matt Christopher, Mike Lupica, Gordon Corman, who wrote sports books. And I wanted to mirror what they did. And when I started selling my books, I actually did a book signing in Louisiana where we had like a, um, a fair of some sort and I was able to sign books and autograph some books. And one of them, I'm just thinking about it now, one of the, I think it was a mom of an autistic, young, young autistic boy asked me to autograph for him. And that was like, okay, now I was starting to get something because it was like, to write something for somebody who's a parent of a child who's on the autism spectrum to be, to inspire him was like, wow, that is, that was powerful. And yes, I like what um, Andre or someone else said, remember your why, because it is so easy to sometimes get lost in wanting to make an easy dollar. But when you get, when you meet someone who read your book or, or heard of your book and you're like, oh, I want to hear about this because I have someone who can relate to what you're going through, to what the characters were going through. That was like, okay, this is this is starting to be something. This is more than just earning money. This is more of like giving young boys something to read because I know parents don't want their, their children, especially boys, to just read anything and to give them reading materials that are educational, but at the same time, it's not like, it's not like fun is what I always wanted to do. Excellent. Excellent. We have a couple of more questions. I'm going to take this one and then we will get into our final round. I love hearing um, how they are changing narratives. I love the emphasis on helping younger male generations, but I would also like to know if they have a desire focus that support our young women as well. TK, Andre? Um, yeah, I certainly do. Oh, yeah, um, so I certainly do. Um, I'm able to kind of do that more so in the classroom, but I could definitely see myself um, being able to provide resources for young women because I do have a, a father's heart. Um, I mean, not having kids, um, a lot of my students, they don't have that positive male figure and they kind of see me as that. Um, but definitely would, I definitely would have a desire to do that. Um, cause unfortunately we, there's a, a big fatherlessness issue, not just men being, not being in the home, but just, uh, men being absent and families in general for young women, having that example, having that standard 
of, you know, I'm supposed to be treated this way versus this way. So definitely, that would definitely be a future move for me. Um, I would definitely love to do that. I think it's necessary to have that male perspective of how a man is supposed to be versus having a woman's perspective of how they, you know, perceive a man should be. And we love that everybody is working to um, uplift young black men, but definitely don't forget our young women as well. We are uh, struggling we, and we need to hear from the men. We need to, we need more men laying out to us what that foundation in the family should look like. What is building? What is all those things you guys talked about with masculinity? Not the toxic masculinity, but, you know, strength and, and being connected to yourself. We need our young girls to understand what it looks like to be with a good man. Um, and so we do encourage you. Anybody else want to talk about something that you're doing that's going to not only speak to our young brothers, but to our sisters as well? Well, um, I think it was, I don't, before COVID hit, um, we had scheduled, um, we had man up conferences. We had, we had one in Troy, then we went to Georgia. Well, just men empowering men. And the next one we were doing was Hello Queen. And it's, it's a book that, um, I orchestrated. It's about 40 to 50 women encouraging women from various topics. And some of these women revealing uh, molestation, revealing abuse and, and giving encouraging word. And we was going to and we was in the process. We had set up the the Hello Queen conference. And when this pandemic hit, it kind of shut everything down. So we are venturing out to not only, you know, encourage the men, but you know, we're working with uh, a network of women, you know, because there are certain topics that, you know, it would be better um, a woman sharing to another woman, you know. And so we have from pastors to doctors to um, business owners and, and various individuals sharing insights, helping the younger understand the whole process. And so we're I think that um, we have what Hello Queen and I think Queen to Queen, you know, both of them are written for women by women and maybe sometime later this year or next year we'll actually launch off into that hello queen conference um and that's what we had put on pause so we're gonna help not only encourage the men uh, the women and at the end of next year hopefully if everything go as it should then we, we have a grand conference where it's man up and hello queen and it'll be different seminars dealing with life issues you know like just 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 there are some topics that only only men can talk about. See, and so there are certain topics that only men in this room can talk about. There are certain topics that only women can talk about. And so we are trying to help encourage and empower not just men, but we're gathering women to help empower the women so we all can grow together. Absolutely. And growth is definitely the key um, here. We are going to move. Anybody else wanted to tackle that? If not, we're going to move into our final segment of this roundtable. We're just going to open up and just talk about writing in general. I know we've already spoke a lot on it. Um, got some great comments. I'm going to put a few of them up on the screen just so you can see them. Um, great topics and discussion. Uh, we've got a lot of people out there who's who's paying attention to you guys. So you're not here alone today. Lots of questions, a lot of comments coming in. But let's talk a little bit about your publishing and your marketing and the process of writing, because I think that a lot of our writers on the Black Writers Workspace can benefit greatly from hearing from you. We've established that they we need more men groups 
of, of black male writers. So I hope that one of you will take the lead on, on forming something and I will help you with that if I need to through the black writers workspace, but we definitely need to do that more. But this publishing world is not easy, you know, to so sit down, gather your thoughts, organize it, find editors, find someone to do your book cover, lay it out, figure out how are you going to distribute the uh, material and then market it. You're going to market, 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 because I don't know if everybody is self-published, but if you are, you're spending the bulk of your time marketing your books. Let's talk a little bit about what you've experienced in this publishing process. And I think someone said you do some spoken word, right, uh, Cameron? Anybody want to do a little bit of that for us? I would love to close out hearing some, some, some. <laughs> Put did you, you on the I know it's fine. Um, did you want to hear it now, or did you want to? Uh, We're going to close out with it, so we'll hear it later. But just to let everybody know that you're going to do that, we would love to hear. Oh yeah, no, that's definitely okay. That's perfectly okay. fine. Sounds good. Sounds good. So. TK, you've published 40 books. Let's talk about your publishing process. Are you self-published? And what are some of your experiences? Well, um, um, actually, the CEO of ICP, um, when we first started, you know, we, uh, you know, I'm very transparent. You know, like I said, I, I come up in the environment. We didn't do a whole lot of writing back then. And um, I remember when, and maybe that's why God talks to me the way he talks to me, because I was the one who hated everything to deal with him. It's like, I'm going to take this one and show you that, show the world that I can change him. So anyhow, we started writing and and I remember, um, you know, I'm like, well, this is, you know, I'm just going to be blind. Well, this is stupid, man. I I, ain't, I don't have time to do this. I, I don't, I don't know no one who's going to publish this and this. And, and I remember I, I went to a church service and while I was saying all this in my mind, the um, preacher turned around and said, God said, don't worry about how you're going to do it. So I, you know, that was, that was kind of strange to me because wait a minute, you, he heard my thoughts, you know? So I said, it was many years ago. I sat back down and then I, then the voice began to come and I couldn't stop writing. And so then we published one book, spent, spent every penny I had and, and, and my cousin's penny, spent everything trying to, because this one company I use and, and maybe they robbed me. I don't know. But they, um, I published that first book. That was in 2006, eight somewhere, 2006. It was a poetry book, and I was happy, and, and I thought that was it. And and then I would go to sleep, and God would say, um, "Let me show you something." And I, I began to write, and the writing kept coming, and it was beginning to be too expensive to keep spending thousands of dollars with this publisher. So then he 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 gave me a, a door to where not only am I going to publish but you need to establish and start your own publishing company. And so we met the right people, um, sat down with the right individuals, and we were able to establish ICP, Insightful Creation Publication. You know, and, and from there, we were able to write and publish. Then we also write and publish others. Then we also ghostwrite. And then I was like, well, Lord, um, I can design. I know I, I'm... I'm heavy in graphic design. I'm a graphic designer, so I can design book covers. That's easy. Format your books. That's easy. But the time frame it takes. So then he allowed me to network with other individuals who alleviate my time so that I don't have to worry about this, that, and the other. So now I can either focus on writing or focus on helping someone. And so while my writing continue and, and I'm helping others, then we're networking and 
I got the covers being made and then we jump off into marketing and various networking is very powerful net and I was able to find individuals to help market and and we were able to set up book signings based on the relationship we built with other cities um communities we contact the library so it you know um when I say 40 it's, it's probably a little bit more but I I stopped counting because I'm not writing for um, quantity. You know, I'm writing for quality, you know, trying to help someone. So it may be more out there. I don't know. Um, and then we branched off into films and, and we branched off. We do spoken word, but I'm not doing it today. No. Um, brother, he got it. He got it. Because and so we just and that's how that that one turned to 10 to 20 to 30 to 40. And, and one thing I would say to anyone out there, listen here. Um, a book is not defined by page count. So don't, or a word count. Don't, you know, you, you, I don't have enough words. No, no, no. You decide when you have said all you need to say on this topic. And that's it. You know, don't, you know, don't, don't try to get 40,000, 50,000. I'm going to tell you this. I wrote a 70 something thousand word book. That sucker took almost a year. You know, and, and I was like, well, Lord, look here. You know, but that's how he gave it to me. That's one I'm making the movie out of. And so I tell a lot of my friends, listen, prime example, we just helped someone publish the book. It was probably about a good 20 pages. And 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 they, they didn't know that it can be accomplished. And we were able to help them. And so I would tell anyone, don't write by page count or word count. Write until your vision is complete and you can publish it. Once it's complete, you have your book right there. Absolutely. And like I said, the writing, we all do it differently. Some of us self-publish, some of us use vanity publishers, some of us have spent spent a lot of money publishing books. Some of us have done it all ourselves. My first book was vanity published. I spent about twelve hundred dollars getting it done, five hundred dollars on the editor who did absolutely nothing. Um, this happens, you know. My second book, I did it all. I did my own cover, I laid it out on Amazon, I did all those different pieces. So Talk to us, uh, the rest of you, what, what were some of your experiences with publishing if you are published and um, what did you learn and what won't you do again? Andre, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, How sure. many books do you have? You have two? I have two. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely agree with TK. Um, the networking piece is huge. I actually, my first book, um, I found out about the publishing company through a friend and um, it was, I did have some biblical principles in the book. So this publishing company's the the main person over. He was um, he's a theologian, so that was like perfect, you know, to kind of help with that. Um, but yeah, I, I would say definitely network. I definitely agree with TK when he was talking about the word count doesn't matter. Um, and I think the experience is like you like you guys have said, it's a lot of trial and error. You're just gonna really have to learn and and see. Just make sure you're not getting taken advantage of. Um, definitely look at people's reviews. Do your research, do your due diligence. Don't just give people money and um, know what to. I, another piece of advice I would give is know what to expect. Um, have expectations around the type of work that you expect to see and ask other people. Don't be proud, too proud to ask people that have done it. What should your expectations be? How does this work? Um, uh, what what should I look for? Um, I would definitely suggest that. Um, if in terms of I think I think you threw marketing in there as well. Uh, just to go into that a little bit, we're in the social media world. And if you're not on social media yet with your books, you're losing money. I mean, that's just the bottom line. This is a social media age. And that's how marketing happens through these reels. And uh, like I think uh, Terrence was talking about TikTok. I'm, I'm trying to learn that stuff, too. 
Um, so I, I know I have to post a whole lot more than what I am. So that's like a piece I'm learning still. But you have to build your audience on social media. It's, it's, it's a different it's a different world. Um, I know TK has done this a long time. He can speak a lot more to that. Um, but, you know, back in the day, you'd have to do the social media and be successful. Now you, you kind of have to. So definitely, um, I would say with the marketing piece, post before you make a lot of posts about your book before you publish it. Um, build people's appetite for it. Um, you know, and become that subject matter expert before you even publish the book. Um, so people can kind of know what to expect from you. Absolutely. We have to take off the creative hat and put on the entrepreneur hat because now it's about marketing sales and everything in between. And if we don't do that, like you said, focus in on all the different tools we have out there, especially those like social media that gives us the capability to promote ourselves daily um, for free in many ways. I mean, it's, you can do more by boosting and spending a little money, but I can tell you, if I can get up every day and post about my book and maybe pick up a sale a day, that's valuable to me over time. So uh, excellent. Anybody else want to talk about your publishing experience? Tell us something that happened that really changed the game for you, something you learned. And also talk about editing because we are big on promoting getting your work edited. Okay, that is the difference between there are still too many readers out there who won't read independent books because they think they are poorly written and not well edited. So if somebody want to talk a little bit about that? I'll take that one. Um, totally agree on the marketing. I will add to that persistence and patience. Um, during the week, I usually have like a talk back Tuesday and a flashback Friday segment where I where on talk back Tuesday, I'll give like a few words of advice on a certain topic um, from from just various topics and then flashback friday just is basically turning back the hands of time and to simpler times so to speak and just say hey you remember this hey do you remember that um for me personally i have to learn to be persistent and patient because sometimes you may not get the 100 views right off the bat you gotta keep being persistent and consistent and the more you do that it's going to build into an audience that you're going to have later on um, for me personally, editing, it's funny you bring that up because I've, uh, my mom homeschooled me from fourth grade up and she taught me how to write. Um, she wouldn't let me write about sports, but she taught me the, the, um, the basics of what good sentence structure is and how to make it, how to show, not tell, so to speak. So for me, I try to use those things when I edited my book, um, I actually was editing some of my, my other stories that I've written before. And one book that had all these um, highlights that I wanted to hit on had to be broken down to three. Um, it took me some time to pretty much like, okay, if I need to add something here, take something out, can um, divide it up so, so it doesn't feel overwhelming, so to speak. And it takes time. Um, I'm the type of guy that once I get started editing or marketing or writing for that matter, I don't stop. Um, I have spent plenty of times, you know, honing in on my craft and staying up till 1 a.m. in the morning if I have to. So for me, put some time into it. Don't expect it to be a quick fix. And as far as publishing goes, I have a sister, um, Olivia Real. She's the one who is my editor and she's helped me publish my books. So I want to give a shout out to her. She's, she's done a lot of amazing work. Um, I think she's working on some projects of her own, but yeah, she 
was a, like a Christian. And I was like, okay, she understands what I'm talking about. And we started talking and that's how we got together. So networking is definitely the best way to be. Right. And I understand, right. and on a funny note, I do understand why TikTok is so hard because it's crazy because I do Facebook and Instagram and that's my go-to. But I I do understand why TikTok is hard because I haven't done TikTok myself. So I, I can relate. I can relate. Well, we've been hosting some free. Uh, I, I've been hosting a free marketing uh, workshop. I have a marketing company. I do PR. Some of these, uh, some of our social media platforms aren't are, don't hit our market anyway. I mean, I'm on TikTok as well. Um, I do some really crazy videos with my hair on fire. And I every time I see the videos, I go, I'm too old for this. Um, so I, I don't post a lot of them, but I guess I said it to say TikTok works, but I have to say to myself, is this my audience and am I comfortable with it? So, um, all of these platforms are dynamic though. I love them all. And I do a lot of, uh, build a lot of content. So this is, this is a good conversation. Anybody else want to talk about your publishing marketing experiences? I think we've heard from three of you. Um, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. For me, the hardest part about writing my book was just me actually writing it. Uh, the name, the title of the book, the cover of the book is something that kind of came easy. Uh, marketing my book is extremely hard for me because my book is essentially me. So sometimes it's hard to market my book because I feel like I'm constantly talking about myself, which I don't really like to do. Uh, the publisher and I'm published through a black airs. I is amazing. Um, so she really helped me a lot. But for me, it was I had to stand out of my move out of my own way um, as far as writing, because I didn't think my book was good enough. I didn't think anybody would read it. So once I stood out of my stepped out of my own way, everything else for me was fairly easy. Um, besides the marketing, which I'm still learning in the TikTok and stuff like that. But other than that, the hardest part was just me writing. Everything else was much easier. Excellent. Cameron, I think you're the only one who hadn't talked. Yeah. I thought it was just fitting that I would go last because I'm still working on my first book now, as I, I previously mentioned. Um, I would say because I am going the self-publishing route, I just um, it's just always something about the idea of having my own agency as far as what I'm putting out, you know, what kind of content is going in, you know, not having that police. It's just that appeals to me. So I'm trying it out self-publishing route now. Um, I may go a more traditional publishing route at a later time with another piece. Um, I would say just like um, just like Terrence said, uh, one of the biggest things that I've realized is that the actual like the writing of the book is where I found a lot of difficulty, um, and a lot of it has to do with the the subject matter. Like it's basically, um, like I said, it's a a book focused around my experiences with both mental and emotional health, and I feel like I've said this to another person at one point in time. It's it's almost like I'm giving myself therapy as I'm writing this book, mm -hmm. and you know both accepting and um, internalizing things and uh, behaviors that I've um, conducted based on how I was feeling at one point in my life, how I was um, coping with certain things. And it, it's been hard. It's been hard, but I've been um, challenging myself to get through these things, to realize certain facets of myself and how I've grown from them and how I'm continuing to grow from them. Um, so I feel like that's a, been a big part of it. Um, marketing, marketing, because uh, I do spoken word and I, um, I do a lot of performing work. A lot of my marketing tends to be me getting myself out there, me being physically in front of people, whether it be on stages, at networking events, at um, at like these uh, collaborative meetings where I'm writing with other artists, 
Um, a lot of times that's my marketing. I have been getting used to social media. I feel, I feel like an old soul at, at times because like I'm so, I'm so like apprehensive when it comes to like Instagram and TikTok and uh, YouTube and all that stuff. Um, I'm on it all the time, and I'm still you know pushing myself to get content out there, get uh, promotion out there. But it is it is difficult. It has been a little bit um, strange for me to get used to these things that are popping up now. And as as was previously said, yes, if you are a um, if you are a writer or you are an artist in any sense of the word in this day and age, social media is where a lot of your audience is going to be. Um, there's not really much getting around that. You can't. Um, it's not like when you could just be out there, you know, be out at events or you could be out at readings and things like that. And you just build off that. A lot of people are paying attention to social media. So that's where your money is. If you're um, if you seek to have this as a career that's you know sustainable and supports you and what you do, then social media is going to be one of the tools that you have to add to your tool set. Um, not really too much getting around that. Excellent. Someone asked to connect and follow all of you guys. So if you are, if, if you're, if you're on Facebook and you can find this link, go on and put your um, social media handles and your website in the, um, in the chat box, in the comment area, or for those who can send it to me private chat, I'll be sure to try to get it out there to you. So Thank you, everyone, for everything that you've done um, for the conversation. We've learned a lot. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. We're going to uh, give Cameron an opportunity to share his work with us, and then we're going to wrap up. Um, if there are any other questions, we have a few minutes. If you want to drop those questions or comments in, please do so. First, I want to say this to you, Cameron. You're writing about mental health, and I, I really want to encourage you to continue to do what you're doing. Um, we need more work out there talking about mental health in the black community. Um, everybody is doing something that is so profound and that is so needed. But as the only person here who hasn't published, I hope we all will rally around you and give you the support that you need to push your work to completion because you have to complete it. That's the goal, right? So thank you so much for to everyone who, who participated. And for those of you out there who dropped your comments, I really appreciate that as well. So Cameron, are you ready? You want to wait or are you good? Yeah, perfectly good. I'm good. I'm I love this confidence. We're going to get TK next, but he doesn't know it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> His face is like, I ain't doing that. So, yeah. um, hold on, so we what? have one more thing come in. Let's see what we've got. What is yeah. the best piece of wisdom you can give? As Bless everybody while Cameron is... Uh, doing his um, his thing, think about this question, a piece of wisdom that we want to leave because that's going to be our final final question. So thank you, Jason, for putting that out there. We will definitely get everybody back on the screen and wrap up with that question. But for now, we're going to let Cameron get started. We're going to all exit the screen so that you can have it to yourself. Give me one second. Appreciate that. Um, just want to say real quick. Um, Michelle, I appreciate you for one the motivation to get this work done because I know it's a it's a book that I want to have a certain type of impact, especially in um, the black male community, but also those that are looking upon the black male community. Um, that being said, I'm just gonna get into it. This um this piece is something I've been performing for for almost almost two years now. Um, it's been something that's been near and dear to my heart. I keep revisiting it because it it's never lost its value to me. Um, it's become kind of a staple of mine. So 
without further ado, this poem is called Black Boy Joy, and I hope you enjoy it. To the little black boy who only knows pain, who doesn't know sunshine, but damn sure knows rain, I have something to say. You see, I know. I know what it's like to cry rivers of candy-coated tears into those palms. I know how they shake because they're afraid to reach for stars. I know how you're afraid of burnt fingertips. I know how you pour yourself onto the concrete so you can mingle with the blood that lives there. Little black boy that's never known joy, don't worry, because I'm here to teach you. You see, black boy, joy is sitting in the sun, basking in it, sauteing that melanin up, cooking up the best flavors of all black boy. Joy is not about playing ball because that's what you're meant to play. It's about playing ball because you so happen to be trash at 2K. So now you got to settle it in real life. See who's really better, black boy. Joy is getting your dad's cashmere sweater, strutting around in there so you can feel like a playboy. And when he catches you, he'll say, go ahead, playboy. Go ahead and play, boy. Just make sure you live as a master. Never live as a slave, boy, because black boy, joy isn't resigning yourself to some predetermined fate. It's creating a destiny, forcing your stars into alignment like puzzle pieces that don't want to fit right. And black boy, I'm here today to tell you that that piece doesn't fit right. And I'm talking about that piece on your waist that you toting. I'm talking about that piece on your waist that you toting the same as those, oh, those bags that our folks is dragging up the chains was made next snap. That ain't it, black boy. That ain't joy, black boy, black boy. Joy lives in your skin, lives in your heart, lives in those curves, black boy, joy. It's finding someone to share your word. Someone to help you raise little black boys and little black girls. And yes, you see, I too have a dream. You see, I dream of kings and queens and genies and carpets because black boy joy is black boy magic, is black boy dynasty. This black boy is royalty. This black boy doesn't just write poems. He paints murals onto gravestones and watches them come to life as song and dance, and laughs, and love, and it's all love because it's not just about mourning the black boys we bury at night. We have to uplift the black boys that live during the day. We celebrate every day. Every day you wake up is a holiday, so black boy, give praise. Because black boy, joy is known as a God who loves you more than anything. Know that he makes you struggle because he believes you can overcome anything, so black boy, you will overcome everything. Black boy, you will overcome and then you will become and then you will be. And what you be is black, boy. You be black joy. You be black laughter. And black boy, after you're done, above all else, please make sure that you go have fun. That's my piece, y'all. That was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Can you hear us? Yeah. Everybody open up your mic. And let's talk what? about this. Great job, brother. Man, you can drop the mic on that one. <laughs> yeah, awesome job, man. That was that was real dope. That was real dope. Okay, I can hear you now. I couldn't hear you for a second. Thank you. <laughs> that was excellent. Excellent. Excellent work. Excellent work. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, we've got comments coming in. I just want you to see a couple of, of them. And um, just people really, really happy that you're doing what you're doing. And, you know, we support you and we're going to rally behind you. We want to see this book come out. And not only that, but we want to stay in contact with you. 
And I want to stay in contact with everybody so that we can begin to continue this conversation about the Black narrative, about writing, about our passions behind what we're doing. This is so important to me. Anybody who knows me know how much I love writing. I'm trying to make sure we can see all these great comments coming in. But this was an amazing panel, y'all. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. It will be available on Facebook. It's live now on Facebook, but it will it'll continue to be available. So share it. Uh, it will also be on YouTube. And I will be putting clips of it on Instagram and on Twitter. So let's do this again. Um, and next time I'll let it all be the guys and you guys can just talk that barbershop talk and, you know, we, we won't listen. I promise you. We, we won't listen. <laughs> <laughs> Believe mm -hmm. that. So that'll be good. Thank you so much. Uh, we are ending it's about one fifty-six. Any more comments coming in? I'm trying to put them up on the screen. Anybody else? We're going to give everybody else, everybody an opportunity to talk about next steps and to just leave us all with a bit of, of, you know, motivation which was one of the words that we were hoping to talk about. So we're going to start with you, um, Andre, and we'll just go across the bottom of the screen. If everybody could just leave us a few words of encouragement and talk to us about your next steps in writing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll start with the encouragement piece. If you are an aspiring writer, if you are someone that wants to begin to write, or if you have already published, um, just remember that your writings are bigger than you. What you're doing is bigger than you and hopefully that will keep your motivation going and if it doesn't you know um hopefully just having that thought of uh you're doing something bigger than you will help you to continue to keep writing even when you don't feel like it when life happens because life is going to happen um life doesn't freeze when you start writing unfortunately wish it could but um yeah just remember what you're doing is bigger than you and your name means something so as you're writing remember that you're, you're attaching your name to what you're doing and you want to do your best work. You want to make sure you don't, you know, cut any corners. And whatever you do, not just writing, but just life in general, right? You want to make sure that your name. This is something that was echoed a lot during our time. That, that your legacy, your name, um, means something, right? It's going to go beyond just your your living here on Earth. So I just encourage anybody to just um, just keep that in mind. Keep your keep your name uh, keep your name clean as the best you can and make sure that you attach it to things that you want to reflect your legacy. Um, for my next steps, um, I do have my book out. It's called Brilliant Minds of Black Men. Um, I put my website in the chat. Um, it's www.afolks, I think you can see it on my name too, .com. Um, so I'm still pushing that book. I do have another book coming out. I'm trying to do more, get more into the academic space. Um, so if, if follow me on Instagram as well, underscore Andre Folks. Same spelling as my name. I'm trying to get into the more academic spaces um, to further help teachers. Because unfortunately, as you guys probably are aware of, we're in a teacher crisis right now in education. And I, I believe I can lend a voice to help support um, in that space as well. So that's kind of that's going to be my next direction with my books. And uh, so keep me prayed up about that. And um, you'll be seeing a lot more from me going forward. Thank you so Thank you. much for being here. Taryn? Uh, yes, my, my advice for any aspiring writers is to stay the course. Like Andre said, you know, your writings are bigger than you. It's your voice. Your voice matters. Your words matter. Your thoughts matter. Uh, you are not alone. So don't be afraid to ask for assistance. But your voice matters and your words matter. So keep going no matter how hard it gets. 
like Andre said again, you know, one thing life is going to do is life. It's going to life. It's going to life hard, too. So, you know, just being able to stay consistent, keep your goal and your dreams at the bottom. I mean, the back and forth on your mind, uh, stay focused on your goals and, you know, just keep pushing. Um, as far as what I'm working on next, um, what I'm working on next, I'm constantly writing, constantly writing, um, thinking about possibly, of course, going back to school. It took me long enough to finish. So while I'm in this mindset of actually being in school, I want to kind of keep the ball rolling. So there's a good chance that I'm going to go back to school uh, and it'll be in, this, in the education field. So uh, definitely, like I said, piggybacking a lot of and listening a lot to what Andre is saying um, as far as like the teacher shortage and stuff like that. So um, that, that's my short term goal right now to possibly get back into school and uh, continue to enjoy life and enjoy my family and uh, just take things a day at a time. So just uh, be inspired by everyone. On, I'm truly inspired by everyone on this call and just truly find inspiration for, for those around me and in my circle. So that's about it. Excellent. Thank you so much for being with us. TK? Can't hear you. Oh, I had to suck on mute. Um, I'll pick it back and say um, your voice is important and don't allow your past mistakes to dictate your future. You know, you can start again. That's that's it's not hard to start again. Just the hardest part is actually started. And you know, for those that are aspiring to create, just keep going. Don't and there's a book we wrote called Keep Going, it's not over. You know, just keep going. No matter, just keep going. And you will appreciate once you get to the finish line. Think what are we working on? Um, Lord, um, um well, we, um, the film, um, that's from our novel Trial of Injustice. Um, a, a pastor is framed for a crime. He didn't do it. And they trying to set them all up and trying to get rid of them and, and, and trying to tear down the church and do it. But, you know, self-intervene. It, it, it's it's high action, high everything, but no profanity. We running a um, promotion on my author page where we giving out free movie posters, free coffee mugs, because I'm a coffeeologist, um, free notebooks and free other stuff. Just, you know, um, random choosing from one to hundred, you get one of those items, and and we just we, we giving it to we giving it free till we run out. The, the film maybe come out sometime next year. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm, I got all your names, so I'll make sure I reach out to you, invite you to the um, the live streaming that'll be um available with this network, um, and and y'all y'all will be my guests. Um, that's that's it, and we helping others. Um, we don't have any new books coming out because God ain't told me to write no more right now, so. Um, that's it. Well, 40 books out. You're doing your thing. Congratulations on everything, including your film. And we will all definitely support you. Thank you for being with us. Jonathan. First of all, Cameron, that was an awesome spoken word. Um, that was probably one of the best spoken words I've heard in a long, long time. So that was that was great. Um, don't sell yourself short. Um, don't cut yourself short. I I love what someone said, like, don't write by the, the word limit. Trust me, if you have a lot to say, just break it down. That's all I can say, because what might be good for one book, make it a series, because that, that, that's how my um, book started. It just started with one book, and the next thing you know, I had to break it down. Um, the I have a current bo uh, book that's in the works of being published right now. I had to break it down from two parts to three. So don't worry about the word limit. Break it down if you have to. Make it a series if you have to. 
So I would say that. Um, as far as my future writings, um, I have a lot of ideas running my brain. So I'm going to be constantly writing. So and I'm also going to be reaching out to you guys and reaching out to those who are interested in buying it. It's going to be available on Amazon. So, yeah, that's it. Sounds good. I want to put your information up on the screen um, so people can can see how to reach you. This is your info, your IG? Yes, ma'am. I have that one. That one and the other one is MBK book series. I think it's um, I think it's lowercase or it's not case sensitive. Um, but yeah, that's that one is for sure. My uh, Instagram accounts. I also have Facebook accounts. Uh, 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 TJ Watson and Jonathan Watson, my brother's keeper, aspiring author. OK, sounds great. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for being with us. And to Mr. Cameron, thank you so much. I did not ask you to do this before. I just want everybody to know. I just said, hey, can you do some spoken word while on screen? And he said yes and delivered, inspired us. That's what it's all about. The spoken word, the written word is so powerful and you are proof of that. So congratulations on everything that you're doing. Talk to us about your next steps and leave us a few words of wisdom. Okay. First off, I just want to say I appreciate all the other such such kind words, um, Jonathan, Michelle, and um, everyone else in the call, as well as everyone else in the in the chat. I really appreciate that. My work means so so much to me. It's my soul, really. So, y'all, y'all giving me that congratulations, those compliments is like the speed in my soul is what it's doing to me. Um, what I would say to aspiring authors, aspiring writers, um, there's a couple things I could say, but the, I I'm going to focus on the key points that have helped me through my own writing journey and that's um one as everyone else says keep going um it's repetitive to hear everyone say it but it's something that's so important that needs to be said over and over again keep going um there's everyone has you know different journeys so if you feel that you're at one space in your journey and someone else is at a farther space in theirs that's fine that's fine everyone should pace themselves everyone else should give them everyone should give themselves the grace to get where they need to go at the pace they need to go at um so that's um, imposter syndrome is a big thing. Understand that your the only thing that decides your worthiness to be a writer is your desire to write. That's it. You know, there's, there's no there's no need to compare yourself or to um, compete with other artists or compete with other writers. They're where they are. You're where you are. That does not devalue you in any way, shape, or form. Um, fail often. Fail often. I've been subscribing to this idea of writing bad pieces to make good pieces a lot because you can't make the good pieces until you write the bad ones and then learn from your mistakes learn where things didn't work out the way you wanted them to and then improve 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 on that that's all it really is and um i'll leave off with this last piece of uh inspiration and i feel like andre would uh relate to this a lot because he's in the educational field constantly be a student um constantly be a student always keep yourself learning new things when it comes to writing always keep yourself challenging yourself in writing, you know, doing things that you may not have done previously. And um, that's as far as I would go when it comes to inspiration. Um, I feel like as long as you do those things in your due diligence, you'll be you'll be um, just fine. What I'm working on next, as I said, I am currently focusing a lot of my energy on finishing this book. I want to get this out as soon as possible, um, while also making sure that it has the, the quality and the impact that I want it to. Um, beyond that, a lot of my performing work, I have a um, a very big uh, featured show that I have coming up in October 
um, October 15th off Broadway. Just hard. With the uh, inspired bird. Uh, it's a very big stage, and you know, speak my truth. So I'm very happy about that. Um, beyond that, I am working on putting a, together a collective of artists, basically like a a hub space where we have um, different resources that different artists are providing with their own um, with their own you know interwoven communities. I don't want to speak too much on that because I want it to be a little bit of a surprise as to who I'm working with and the things we offer, but. I'm very happy with the the artists I've been having this, these discussions with to get these things together and hopefully bring something to the community that will benefit everyone. Um, yeah, I, I, like beyond that, I just be I just keep writing, keep creating, keep taking photos, keep drawing, whatever I can do to get both my truth out there and other people's truth out there. Um, yeah. Well, this has been great, everybody. Thank you so much for staying with us for two hours and uh, learning from these amazing writers. Thank you uh, for being a part of the Black Writers Workspace. We are gearing up for some, of, of course, every month we're going to do our pen posse roundtable, but we have workshops and we are going to be hosting our, our first live book fair here in New Orleans in January. So we do invite everybody to come out. For those of you who stay with us, thank you for joining us. For those on the screen, I would like to once again say thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been outstanding. And I look forward to continuing to stay connected with you. So we're going to end the broadcast, but I want everybody to stay on the screen so we can do a formal farewell. But for now, let's say farewell to those who are listening and watching. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.